You are now listening to the best of the best, Maverick's Guide to Success. I am your host, Maverick Levy. I'll keep this intro pretty short and simple and straight to the point. But if you're a new listener, first off, thank you so much for being here and tuning in. If you are not a new listener, of course, thank you as well for being here. Your continuous support means the world to me. Regardless if you're new or not, I hope that you are subscribed to the show because when you are subscribed on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts, you get notified when a new episode comes out, which for this podcast is every other Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. You can also follow along on social media with the show at TBOTBpod. You can find us pretty much on every social media platform. You can also visit the website TBOTBpod.com. And we are also building the best of the best network, which I know that I've been talking about for a while on the show, really starting to gain some traction. So I'm very excited. So follow along with the network at TBOTB Network. And of course, you know, we always have a little disclaimer if you're a regular listener. So everyone, please remember the discussions on this podcast are for informational purposes only. I cannot predict and do not guarantee that you'll attain a particular result from the information provided. You should always seek professional assistance before making decisions in connection with the topics discussed. Now we have someone that is a very good guest. I'm actually recording this intro after I interviewed her because it was at the last second and we wanted to hop right into the interview and she did a tremendous job. So definitely stay focused and listen into this episode, everyone. On today's show, we have a very special guest, a female. We have always love having females on the show. We love females in the business place, in the workplace. And honestly, My ratio of male to female on the show hasn't been so great, so working on getting it better because we do love the females that are out there hustling and bustling. And so on today's show, we have Erica Pertil. She is the Director of Marketing for Men in Development. So welcome to the best of the best, Erica. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm so excited. I'm very excited to interview (laughs) you. We've hit it off since you got here. Shout out to Tyler for hooking us up together and bringing you on the pod. I'm such like a podcast nerd so I'm always wanted to do this and here you this are seems perfect you're now yeah. you're on the best of the best right there That's you a, go. what a way to start right so tell me a little bit about yourself how who you are you know t- give me your background yeah um so I actually grew up in a rural town in Buffalo New York um there was one red light in the town so literally no one knew anything about marketing or celebrities or anything like that and yeah, I went to college. I was the president of my sorority and that was kind of my thing. And what sorority I, were you in? It was <laughs> it was Delta Delta. We got kicked off campus. We were Tridel and we got kicked off. Okay. Um, which that's a whole other story. But I didn't really take school seriously until I came down to Florida and went to FAU nice. and got my MBA. So nice. um yeah, I did what, that. What brought you down to South Florida? Like what brought you to FAU? Because there's a lot of people that come from you, your region, I'll call it, that go to FAU. So what was the driving factor there? Um, so my brother went to FAU. So okay. I always kind of like wanted to come it. down here. Yeah. And I really like Delray. I like the Ave. And I've seen it like when my brother went to school down here, what it was. And, you know, by the time I was able to drink, it was completely changed and you know, I wanted to be a part of, you know, the ever-changing Delray. So I moved down here, lived in Delray, uh, got my MBA. And what I learned in my MBA is really like shaped of where I'm at today. And I think I've learned more in that like year and a half of being in grad school than I did obviously in four years being in a sorority and mm-hmm. <laughs> not yeah. really taking school seriously. So my marketing teacher in my MBA program was the guy that came up with Priceless. So MasterCard, that whole campaign. And he was just an idea guy. That's all he did was sit in a room, come up with ideas and have other people execute them. And he now lives in Star Island in Miami. So I was like, I want to be the idea guy because that is valuable, like for sure. So yeah, now I'm the idea girl. So, so you told me before you came on that you were going to go to med school, maybe. Well, what? How yeah. did you decide to not go and start in the marketing field? Yeah, I actually, I was pre-med. I did gross anatomy, did the whole thing where I like dissected human. It was like a lot. 
And was that disgusting? It was disgusting. Did yeah. it smell bad? Not really, because they're so like uh, ferment or whatever they yeah, do to yeah. them. So not really. They keep them like the human version of pasteurized where it's like fresh. Yeah. Okay. I like realized that I didn't actually want to be a doctor. I just liked the classes. You just like Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) Yeah. Like I just liked like uh, all the classes I was taking and I thought it was interesting. So I was like, oh, I'll, I'll do this degree. But when it came down to the daily life of being a doctor, I was like, oh, I don't know if that's for me. And I always been like super creative and back from my Tumblr days. Um, so there you go. <laughs> yeah. So I really like, I liked marketing because I can be creative and that's kind of how I fell into it. So let's talk about Delray for a little bit. So obviously this podcast is a worldwide podcast. It's actually charted in like, I think we're at nine different countries now, top 200 lists in about nine different countries. So Congrats. if you're listening, thank you so much. <laughs> if you're listening to this show and you're not from Florida, Delray is a place that's about an hour and 20 minutes north of Miami. Um, it's right next to Boca Raton. It's a little bit south of West Palm. And it is a hidden gem that I shouldn't say, I, maybe I shouldn't say hidden because yeah, it's don't not tell so too hidden. Many <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's becoming noticed by a lot of people. And you are a part of the, it is a group. What do they go by specifically? So it's like, men in development. Okay. Um, so they started as a development company and now we're kind of they brought in-house yeah in-house like marketing marketing, in-house management so now we're kind of transitioning into like men in ink got it so as covid happened you know a lot of people moved down to south florida and delray became a place that at one point in time was reasonably priced and now obviously prices have gone up just like everywhere else but it's really turned into a hot spot for the younger generation to have a place in South Florida that's not like Miami if you don't like the scene down there, which I personally don't. That's why I choose to live in this neck of the woods. So it's very interesting. And I think for you, maybe you realize that maybe you don't. You're here at a unique time and your leadership role is at a very unique time because this is a time where all of your efforts like really matter, mm-hmm. right? And people will talk about the economy, we'll talk about different shit. But at the end of the day, I think South Florida is gonna be a place where there's truly so much real wealth and old money in the surrounding areas that Delray will always be a place that's happening. People will always come to vacation there because they have people that either live in Florida. So I think it will always maintain that place. But from your perspective, what kind of growth have you seen You know, in the past two years or past year doing what you do. Yeah. Well, it's been like the past 10 years that Delray has really taken off. I used to work, my first restaurant that I worked in down here was Salt 7. uh, And they opened up 10 years ago, I think in next June's 10 years. Um, But they were the first restaurant to stay open uh, until two and, yep. and do like the whole nightclub, the brunch scene that now Delray is kind so of known you, for. Sorry to interrupt. So you yeah. worked at Salt 10 years ago? No. So I, I came down here four years ago. Okay. I was going to say, because no. 10 years ago, Salt had these pretzel buns. <laughs> and this is four, even four years ago, they weren't there. But they had these pretzel buns on mini sliders. Mm-hmm. They should bring them back. Yeah. I what, actually know what you're talking you about. Do people, know people talk about this. Yeah. Because they were the best. <laughs> and then they took them away. And it's like, why'd you take yeah. away the best item on the menu? But continue. Sorry. I had, no, to, but, I had to throw in there. Because if they listen to this, bring back the pretzel bun sliders. There you go. I'll let them know. Yeah, let them know. uh, (laughs) uh, So I started working at that restaurant, which is kind of unique that I learned from the original, the first restaurant that kind of shifted from this, we're a restaurant until a certain time. And then we clear the tables and all of a sudden we're a nightclub, which is something that is really unique to Del Rey, that Del Rey, all of our restaurants are the same ones that turn into nightclubs at night, which is kind of cool. Um, So now you have like the office, like Opa, all these places that at seven o'clock, they put all their tables in the back alley and it's a full-blown nightclub, Um, which is kind of unique to Del Rey, I think. I've never seen it anywhere. So now I'm working for Men in Development, who's completely changing the landscape of Delray, which is awesome. When you talk about that they're changing the landscape of Delray, do you think that they're making it more higher end? Do you think that they're bringing in better hospitality groups and better restaurants? What do you think is the differential factor that's creating this upbeat of a change? I think Men in specifically is you know, bring in things that people want and people care about. And we really like pay attention to what the consumers want and what people in Delray want. And even 
if they don't know it exists, like we built South Florida's largest food hall um, in Delray. That's is bringing it, is people. Is Delray Marketplace South Florida's largest? The largest food hall, yeah. Whoa. And and all of South Florida. Yeah. So we have twenty-five plus vendors and three bars. It's a ginormous space. Yeah, it is Um, big. But I didn't realize it was the biggest. But it I guess it makes sense because usually a food court's in like a mall. This is just a main food court of like it's kind of like what's that place is Italy? Have you know Mm -hmm. do you know what Italy is kind of like that whole thing where it's like Italy? It's kind of like that. It's nice because you walk in and you can get a pizza and then you get um Chinese and then you get uh, Lebanese food and yeah. you can try a bunch of different stuff, but that's something that maybe Delray didn't know that they wanted or didn't exactly. know even existed or, yeah. or anything like that. And we're just bringing in people to the town, whether it's for a day, whether it's for them to move and buy a house and invest and live in Delray. I really think Menon, you know, is a huge part of that. And partnership with the city so yeah delray obviously this office is in delray and you know i was just at the delray beach police um citizens for police event and delray is i've been coming here since i was four years old and so you know you're talking almost like 19 years that Mm -hmm. i've been coming to a place and i've got to see the change with my own eyes used to go in delray and when i was like eight years old nine years old by the time it was 10.30 and my family always ate dinner late. So like it would be like 10.30 and we're still eating dinner and like there's no one else in the restaurant. Yeah, it's a ghost it, was ju- it was just us. And now you go there and like you're going to be the first person to be eating dinner at 10.30 if they're not clearing out the tables already. Yeah, you're not going to have to wait in line to get back into a, a bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's really crazy to see this change with my own eyes and obviously to talk to you that you're part of this whole change. So mm-hmm. in terms of marketing, if... Uh, do you mind? I, I'm going to ask you because it's my show. This high roll. How old are you? You're so young. I'm 26. Yeah. Okay. So you're. So you're, I'm really young. Yeah, I'm so the youngest young. one in the whole company. And you're the head of marketing. Mm-hmm. So in a workplace where obviously, you know, there's this thing surrounding females in a workplace, but you're obviously the youngest female in the workplace. How do you see that from your perspective? Does it? Are you aware of any situations where, and you don't have to go into it because obviously this is your employer, but are you aware of situations where sometimes like you understand what that outside world is talking about, about females in the workplace? So yes, but I'm so blessed. One of the best things about Menon is it's ran by women. So Jordana is our CEO and and she's very well known. Yeah, she's awesome. And then my direct boss, the vice president of the marketing of all of Menon, she's a woman. So, and she came from New York City and went to the Met Gala. So we have a lot to talk about. That's Um, amazing. Yeah, which is really awesome. I have a lot of women that I look up to within the company. Um, and also I've never been like really insecure about my age because they want the young, fresh ideas. They don't want someone that's seasoned and who has been in this role for years and years and is kind of just stagnant. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think that they really appreciate that I'm a young driven woman that wants to do well for the company because I care about it as if it was my company. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, and that and that's a great part. When you're building any company or any empire, the number one thing is culture. You want to have a culture where people are excited to come into the office. They're excited to do their job. When they go home, they're not going to be so upset to respond to an email when they're at home. They're going to do it because, like you said, you care about it like it's yours, and that's the type of culture that clearly they've built. So is Menon specifically only in Delray? Or are they worldwide? Where, where are their developments Yeah, so mostly? right now, so Craig Menon, he started in New York and then moved down, found Delray, Hidden Gem, decided this is where he's going to move his operations and start building here. So right now, yes, Delray, um, maybe in the future. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, they would start buying places other. Yeah, but Delray yeah. is like the main home base now yeah, for Menon. He, I think Craig just saw like a lot of potential in mm-hmm. Delray and we're really connected with the community. And What's your favorite restaurant in Delray? Um, probably a cure back right now. That's the hot new restaurant. And that's <laughs> inside the new hotel, the Ray. Yeah. So Menon owns the Ray hotel, which has restaurants in it. Ember, Rosewater rooftop, Akira back. And then there's a coffee shop. Um, Akira back is a Michelin star chef from Las Vegas. He has places in Dubai, Singapore, all over the world. And now at the Ray hotel in Delray beach. So 
Menon's not only building and providing jobs, but they're bringing in these well-known chefs and well-known um, business people that maybe they'll come to Delray because they know of a Kiribati or they've been to a Kiribati in Singapore and they want to try it again. And this is closer. So then they'll come to Delray. So Wow. wow. And yeah. the, when did the Ray open? Uh, a year ago, actually, I think I believe in September of last year it, okay. it opened. So we're just a year old and it's really taken off and, you know, we'll see where it goes from here. <laughs> What's your least favorite restaurant in Delray? My, I can't answer that. Come on. Come on. No, Come, on. Come on. Uh, I don't know. Least favorite. I don't, all the restaurants are really good. I, don't like, I really I don't, don't like Sazio's. I was just going to say like maybe a pizza place. Yeah, I don't like Sazio's. That's so funny. I actually, fun fact, the whole reason Dave Portnoy went there for his like uh, little pizza reviews, because I told him to go there because I just couldn't think of a pizza place off the top of my head. Really? I was like, oh yeah, go to Delray, go to Sazio's. Oh <laughs> like, my oh, God. God. Interesting. Well, at least he'll say something to that. I was wondering yeah. if you were going to answer to your least favorite place being the head of marketing for, no. you know, the group that pretty much runs Delray. You can't talk too bad. But of course, there's always going to be a bad restaurant, right? There's always going to be something. But we'll, we'll keep it more on a positive note There's for never you. a bad restaurant. There's bad experiences and bad employees. Let's oh, put that There's <laughs> definitely... Everything can be tweaked. Her PR team has prepared her there for this go. interview. No, yeah. I mean, I would love to do like bar rescues and like restaurant rescues and so that's yeah I think, I think that. I think people have a misconception of truly what it takes to run a restaurant mm -hmm. actually so one of my goals long term like I have this whole thing where I want to have an empire and then underneath that empire like right now currently working across seven or eight different industries but one of like my main goals is the restaurant hospitality industry because it's I would class <laughs> yeah it's very cutthroat there's a huge percentage of those that fail. I forget the number off the top of my head, but there's a huge percentage of those that fail. But what interests me most is when I go to a restaurant, I am always conscious of, okay, like if my water is getting like quarter of the way, are they going to come by and fill it up, right? Obviously, dependent on the restaurant is dependent upon the level of service you're going to get. And, you know, whether you're going to like a taco place rather than like cut in Delray, your mm -hmm. level of service is going to be extremely different. But with that being said, the hospitality industry has always intrigued me because there are so many small tweaks that people can implement from a leadership standpoint that will funnel down if implemented correctly. And it's the biggest change in the world that people notice. I actually heard this about the guy we were talking about before, Dave Grumman. He said like he would go to restaurants and he would just see things that he's like, why aren't they doing it a certain way when you can do it better? And so that's kind of like how he got his... I guess, fire underneath him to start his whole empire down there. But do you ever have any interest in owning a restaurant in the future? Is that something that um, you have an interest in or you like just the marketing side of things? No, I mean, so I not only have a master's in marketing, I also have a master's in operations management. Okay. So, which helps me with marketing because I understand like, oh, if I implement this marketing plan, how are they actually going to execute it and, and right. stuff like that. So, right. but to own a restaurant is maybe, I don't know, but, um, I would do consulting for sure. Like coming in and just rearranging the kitchen and, and making minor tweaks, like yeah. changing the napkins to the, everything matters, the menus. And that's all part of marketing. Exactly. Um, that I would like to go into other people's businesses, kind of give them advice. Oh. And it, that was a TV show, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Bar like, Rescue. I want to do that. I, let's have a TV show. Let's yeah, do it. Let's, let's make it a podcast. Let's <laughs> make it a visual go. podcast, a Bar Rescue visual podcast. I mean, and you'd be surprised like how many people need help and don't know what they're doing or they're great cooks. Great. But they don't have the marketing skills the or don't have side. the people skills to make regular customers. So yeah. You know, people need help, like for sure. Yeah, so. there's a lot of the clients we see in, on the tax resolution side of the business, a lot of times are owners and they're not operators, right? They're mm -hmm. owning the business, but they're not running the business. And due to that, sometimes they fall into hot water and either someone's stealing from them or they're not paying their taxes. So they end up here, but that's like doctors, lawyers, people that are good at one specific things, chefs. You just saw a chef that was mm -hmm. in the office on your way out. They're good at specific things, but they're not good at the operations part of it. So that's a hundred percent true, but let's switch into it marketing. Team, yeah, sure. it does take a team, but let's switch into marketing. If you were talking to someone that's in college right now and they say, Erica, I want to get into the marketing space. What's the best advice you have for me? 
so no one ever gave me advice. There you go. <laughs> um, I kind of just like figured it out. So I mean, just be true to yourself and like, don't be scared to put ideas out there and speak your mind. And that's all marketing is, is coming up with an idea and executing it. And, you know, maybe people won't like it. Maybe it won't get the reception that you want, but eventually it will. And just stay true to the brand. Like for me, it's, I run a bunch of different restaurants, so I have to switch brands and personalities and what would work at one place wouldn't work at another. Um, so just like never give up and keep pushing and, and be creative. That's the best part about it. Because like you said, you have your hand in a lot of different jars and a lot of different types of restaurants. Does that make you afraid of failure ever? Like if you're starting a new campaign, are you fearful that that campaign is going to perform to what you thought it was going to? Definitely. So I am a huge perfectionist and I think that's like my biggest fault Mm -hmm. is that I will stay up all night to finish something just to make sure that it's perfect because I wouldn't ever want to put on anything that isn't, Yeah. Um, which is, it's a good thing, but it's a fault also. So, and I've definitely had success, so I don't want to take a step back, obviously, but I try to look past that you know, if this doesn't work, that's fine. I'll I'll do something that masks that or something that's You'll even pivot better than and that. Adapt. So, yeah. You'll pivot and adapt. The reason I ask that question is because on this show, when we have episodes like this where it's educational based a little bit for people that may be interested in what we're talking about, I always ask the question of failure because a lot of people that are aspiring to be something, aspiring to be the head of uh, marketing for a large development group like Menon or someone that's aspiring to be a photographer like Tyler is, they're afraid to fail. And I always say you can't be afraid to fail. I failed four times in different businesses and ideas that I had, but you have to be able to get back up. Like you said, pivot, adapt and figure out, okay, why didn't this work? So I know not to do that again. And how can I do it differently next time? So it does perform to the level of what I wanted it to perform too. But like you said, it's the biggest fault in the world to be that perfectionist because it's like you want it so picture perfect and life isn't picture perfect. No. You, you have to get that through your brain. It's something I struggle with every day because I want everything perfect. And when it's not perfect, it drives me crazy like it does to you and you'll stay up all night. I won't stay up all night unless I need to. I love <laughs> I, I'm a type of person where I need my like six to eight hours of sleep. Being I absolutely sleep. need it. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'll still get done what needs to be done. So it's an interesting take in that regard to hear you say that. But in terms of marketing, what are your day-to-days look like? Like on a day-to-day, what are you doing as the head of marketing for someone that's controlling a large city in different restaurants in that city and also a large development group within that. Yeah. Um, so my days are never the same, which I like. I'm not going into an office and know that I'm sitting there from nine to five and only getting up for lunch, which that was a huge draw of marketing that wasn't like that every day. Mm-hmm. So some days I'm taking pictures, I'm doing content creation. Other days I'm directing shoots with other photographers coming in. I plan out the Instagrams. I do the website design. Sometimes I'm packing PR packages to send to VIP clients. Like it just changes um, day to day, which is, it's really nice that I, you know, get to do a bunch of stuff. Yeah. It's always being creative and always, you know, doing something new. And a lot of times I go into the day and read my emails and don't even know what the rest of my day is going to look like um, until I get through those emails and I'm like, oh, you know, now I'm doing this project and I'm on this. And yeah, so does that, because you're a perfectionist, does that stress you out with how you're always changing on what you're focusing on? Um, yeah, I guess because, you know, I can't finish one task and then move on to another. I'm always constantly jumping from one to one. You got to juggle. Yeah. But anything that goes out that I put my name on, has to be perfect. (laughs) There you go. I love that. I love that about you because it speaks volumes to your work ethic. It speaks volumes to your work and product, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever you're putting out, like you go to bed when you lay your head on that pillow, you know that you tried your hardest and you put your 150% effort into doing that. Mm -hmm. When you are going through the day and you have different things that are going on, what's the biggest help to you to not be so frantic, not be so crazy, maybe slow down for a few minutes and like, get grounded and come back down to earth? Um, I always keep in mind that it is a job. Yes, it's a passion and something that I like, but at the end of the day, I'm going home. And when you go home, just detaching. And, you know, it's very hard in marketing because I do run social media accounts. So 
I'll be laying, you know, on my couch and watching TV and I'll get a notification for one of the restaurants and something pops up. And sometimes you just have to tell yourself to just detach and just relax because you'll drive yourself nuts if you're constantly going, going, going and and only working. Like there needs to be a good work-life balance for sure. Yeah, yeah that's so. something that I struggled with at first, but now I think I have down pretty good is balancing that because it can't be all go, go, go. You'll burn yourself out too quick. Yeah. You won't be able to be as productive as you would be if you took a second to take a step back, relax, cool down. But let me ask you a super odd question. Does your phone ever die? No. Never, right? Never. Never dies. My phone never dies <laughs> My either. My phone never dies. Do you have portable chargers or are you always actually charging from the wall? I think I'm I'm always charging from the wall, but I always I think I have a charger next to my bed. I have one in my kitchen. I have one on my desk. Like I always have a charger. Right, your phone but never dies. No, my phone never dies. You're one of those nope. people. I'm the same way. <laughs> like I have like literally, I have a Mophie obsession. Not even just Mophie. Portable chargers obsession because my phone can never die. I yeah. always have to have some charger accessible. Yeah, some charger accessible <laughs> so that you know, like you said, it's always like. It's crazy to think um, when I think about like my grandpa building my family's tax business, like I don't understand how they were getting work done without this phone. Without a phone, yeah. Yeah, I I, I don't understand. I have this like fear that like a celebrity is going to like walk into one of my places or like some catastrophe is going to happen that some PR nightmare and I don't have my phone. So yeah, no. <laughs> I always keep it charged and yeah, I'm always not... logged into all of my accounts. I never log out of them. Yeah, so. there you go. <laughs> Let me ask you, from the head of marketing standpoint, how influential do you think it is to have influencers actually go to a place, post it on their story, have them there, show the experience? Is this something that you really see that drives business to these locations for you? Is it, I, I've always wondered that question and I've always wanted to ask you that mm -hmm. um, or not you specifically but someone that is the head of marketing because people you know are paying influencers or giving them a free meal doing something in exchange for them to go check out the location to post about it so clearly they're trying to get a return on that quote-unquote investment do you truly see those returns when you are doing that so this might be like a little controversial but we do do uh, influencer dinners and that's something that we have been doing um, but we just recently decided that we're going to stop doing that as much. Instagram's just changing and people, if I was selling a product, maybe if it was something that you could sell online, I see more of a value of having ambassadors and influencers and stuff like that. But for a restaurant, we care more about like our reviews and our genuine customers that come in rather than the free meals that we're giving for them to post. And and it's all based on Instagram's just changing. Yeah. Um, it's not as and that important. changes the changes that. So I understand it clearly. They're pushing more of a TikTok style mm -hmm. social media platform than they are typical. Like I want to see your story. I want to see your post, meaning your pictures. That's the change that we're talking about, right? Yeah, that is the change. But also, people see through, you know, with these influencers that they're getting a free meal and that's the only reason that they're posting. They're not really excited about this restaurant and want to share it. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really important. If an influencer does come in and like is genuinely excited about their experience, I feel like the audience can tell, but Instagram's just so saturated right now with people, you know, promoting stuff that they don't feel passionate about. And 100%. I think that really like comes through. You know, there's, a, you know there's actually a law that there's actually a law. I don't know if it's federal or by state. If you're promoting a product, you truly have to have used that product and sort of the law gets tricky, but really like believe in the product. Mm -hmm. And so I'm shocked that we haven't seen an uprise in these lawyers that are out there for a quick buck that are looking to say like, hey, like you promoted this product. My client didn't get the uh, perks of it that, you know, people yeah, were promoting about it. And so I'm shocked that we haven't seen that, but that's an interesting space because you really like, you can't technically, you can't promote something that you haven't tried or yeah. that you haven't done. But I mean, I hope you wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, but people do for oh my sure. God, that's, that's bad. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, we love our influencers. They've done us a great deal of service by coming in, especially when we first open our restaurants. But I just think things are changing. Like um, user-generated content is great. And people that come in and are photographers and we'll give them comp meals to take photos that we can then use. Um, I think that's a lot more valuable than, you know, influencers that sell, 
you know, maybe they're a fashion influencer and they're coming right. in to try a meal like and that. Does, I don't think that really converts. What about like the overall Instagram being active on there as a restaurant? Do you think being active on Instagram as a restaurant helps with getting people sitting in the chairs? Or do you think it's more so just an extension of like you have to have a website, you have to have a social media page? I think you have to have it for sure. But um, Instagram really changed the hospitality industry. Everyone's so obsessed with having Instagrammable moments and Instagrammable backdrops and Instagrammable dessert that melts and you put fire on it. Um, So Instagram has really changed the hospitality field. And I think it's necessary and you need to be up on the trends. And if you, you know, want to be the best and attract people from, all around, not just in whatever town your restaurant's in. Um, Which the Ray, like I was talking earlier, because it is a hotel, it's completely different than a mom and pop restaurant. We have to attract people that are in California, people that are in Toronto, like Canada's our biggest market in Delray um, for people vacationing. Yep. They come from where in Canada? Like a lot of Toronto um, and Ontario come down to Delray and have like second homes down here. Yeah. So you see a lot of Ontario plates mm -hmm. around here. And I'm from Buffalo. So I'm like, I'm so used to, you know, seeing Ontario plates. I'm from Michigan too. Like I could get to Canada and like, I think it was like 19 minutes. We would go over there. Yep. You walk across the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. Go over there. But I only went over there a few times, but no, that's really interesting to hear that perspective because obviously my girlfriend, which if you're an avid listener of the podcast, you listen, like I talk about the influencer space and it blows my mind that Be people <laughs> are able, no, it, it truly, it blows my mind. I'm happy for them, but it blows my mind that her and her friends are able to go to a very popular restaurant in Miami. And as long as they all post, you know, the meal could be five grand meal. Mm-hmm. Obviously that's not their cost on it, but all comped as long as they all post on their story. I mean, to me, uh, from a business side and entrepreneur side of things, I guess I could potentially see the value. But then, how do you track that? Like, yeah, right? How do you, really. how do you how do you track that the return on your investment and treating all these girls to dinner? How do you track that that's really driving traffic to your business? There's no way to track that. Yeah, I mean followers on Instagram, but followers don't always mean that they're going to come in and be customers. Yeah, exactly. So, I I mean, it's really hard to watch that, I guess. Yeah, no, exactly. But Delray is such an interesting place. Do you see a younger audience specifically? Like when I think of the Ray, I think of like a younger crowd. Mm -hmm. Do you see a younger crowd moving into Delray or do you see, you know, when people think of Boca, they think of like grandparents, right? But I think- turning into not that. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. But I think when people think of Delray, they think of something a little bit different, truly. I think they do because of the Ave and you have this whole nightlife scene where it's very unique to the area. So do you see younger people coming in or what's the typical age range? So, I mean, Delray used to be known as like just rehabs and nothing else, um, which it's changed dramatically since that. And so now I think it's a lot of like 30-year-olds, young professionals that are coming into our spots. Mm -hmm. It's not so much like young people. Um, FAU is close, obviously, so there is college kids coming out. But at our spots, it's a lot of people that have disposable incomes Maybe got a house down here because of COVID, which brought a lot of people of course, to Florida. Big driving factor. Yeah. Um, and we all of our spots opened right at the prime time where New York and New Jersey were still closed and we had a brand new restaurant. So anyone that got a second home and was down here during COVID, we are the hot new shiny thing when they're new to to South Florida. So um yeah, I think our target demographics like 30 to 40 disposable income, like young professionals like to go out, like to have a good time. So yeah. Do you ever have the head of marketing version of writer's block where it's hard for you to come up with ideas mm-hmm. and formulate new campaigns to start? Is that ever something that hinders your ability to create? Yeah. I mean, I write a lot of blogs for our websites and then also doing all of the Instagram captions because you want it to be witty, you want it to be funny, but then you... So you write all of the Instagram captions? Yeah. <laughs> for all for how many different pages? Um, right now, just three. So uh, Lionfish, Johnny Browns, and then the Delray Beach Market. But, you know, there's other people in my office that 
do some stuff for the Ray Hotel social media and we all collaborate. And wow. um, so how many posts a day between the three of those accounts are you writing captions for? Um, so I post right now like three times a week for each account. Okay. Um, but it's coming up with interesting captions, but also conveying the message or telling what's going on in the restaurant to the customer, but also making it engaging and making it, you know, relate to the the picture that you're posting. And we plan out our content a month ahead. So right. I have to sit there and think about August right now. <laughs> so you already have, you know, like next Tuesday at 1.30 p.m., you already know the post that's going yep. up. And are you pre-writing the caption then as well? Mm -hmm. Wow. So I spend like a day where I just sit there and plan out my timeline. And that's what we yeah. we make for our, our Instagram. And yeah, pick out the photos. And I, so I take the photo, then I edit the photo, and then I upload the photo, and then I make the timeline, and then I make the uh, caption. So it's a lot that goes into it. It's not just posting on an Instagram. It's not just like a hobby. It's like a serious thing. And, yeah. you know, I get everything approved um, by upper management that like looks at it and make sure that that's the message that they want to go out to their customers. So it's a really like serious thing. Yeah. People, when you're not intertwined in the social media world, they really see it as like, oh, that's an easy breezy type mm -hmm. thing. But in reality, and I see this firsthand with my girlfriend, it is like the most difficult mental mind game type of industry where like you're in a sense competing with one another and you aren't but you are in a way where like your brain's playing a trick on you like this has to be the best and this has to be the most creative this has to like drive that punch home so that people when they see it they remember it and it causes you to like really just sometimes have days where you like you want to yeah. break down and even with this podcast like before I now have Tyler we're gonna be running everything for the pod but before that like I ran everything myself on top of it so like I was always like posting trying to come up with things and that's where I realized like I need to delegate this to someone else that you can get burn out too yeah that can have that creativity because it's hard like I'm not a necessarily a creative person in that aspect and other things I am pretty creative I would say but you know for me to like sit down and have a conversation with someone like that's what I like to do I don't like to sit there and like create the social media posts and do all that whole thing yeah. but you know I will do it if I need to but at the end of the day it's crazy to think that like you're in charge I could never imagine being in charge of three social media accounts and like creating the captions and posting and doing all that like that's just not my specialty but that makes yeah that's what makes you you at the end of the day you know so that's something interesting but like you said your phone must never die no i knew i knew you were gonna say no yeah people ask dies. me like a lot of people in the marketing field are influencers on the side or do their own thing yeah. too and and i'm like i when my day's done like i don't want to go home and film like a makeup video like that's like not what i want to yeah. do when i'm you know making content yeah, yeah when i'm making content all day it's like I'm exhausted. Um, kudos to those people that have a side hustle because, you know, marketing, you're always trying to be one step ahead of the trends. Yeah. Um, and it gets exhausting, like trying to always be on top of it. And oh, okay, yeah. now Instagram's only pushing reels. So now I have to make reels, which takes double the time as um, static posts. And then I have to use this certain song and the transition has to be this way or else Instagram won't promote it. Yeah. It's, it's so involved that... You know, it, it, that's the one thing that it gets kind of draining and I need to like detach from my phone and from the marketing world and not be so focused on what's going to be the next big thing and, and being on top of it. Always focus on the next thing is the worst thing you can do mentally. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard to do that. Like from my standpoint, doing what I do and from you, because you're always trying to focus on like you want to be at the top of that trend. Like you want to figure out what's going to be the most popular in two weeks, in a week and a half, or then the, tomorrow. Like if you see something that you know that aligns with one of your pages, you're going to create something that is in that scene, quote unquote, online that you think will blow up and get yeah. traction on there. But the analytics of Instagram, TikTok is a tremendous platform because it allows such exposure with mm -hmm. minimal effort. But do you know the thing that TikTok is completely different in China? You know, isn't yeah. it a Chinese like? Yeah. App? So, so TikTok in China is for children is something 
that I learned this from listening to Joe Rogan. So TikTok in China highlights awards for children. It's not an app where like they're on there dancing and doing trends. It's to highlight like a scientific award or a mathematical award. There's so many things that are so different about the social media world in America versus another country. So it's interesting to pick your brain in a conversation like this because I don't think I've ever had a head of marketing on... No, I don't think I've ever had. I had someone that had like a semi-consulting firm where they would help out with marketing a little bit, but I never had a specific person that's integrated in marketing. You're integrated in a really cool scene, but where do you see yourself in five years? Like, do you want to be the head of something else? Obviously, you might not want to say what you want to do, but (laughs) what is your end goal? Like, I'm so blessed, and I'm not just saying this, but to work for Men in Development, who's constantly building and constantly getting new projects or coming up with new concepts. Um, So I'm never really bored because I know that they're always going to be doing something new that I'll be involved in, which is kind of cool that they involve me in in everything, any plans that they have going forward. Um, So I'm super grateful for that. But I mean, my personal, like I do do kind of some consulting on the side. I would like to get more into that um, with not just social media, but the whole marketing behind any business. Yeah. Um, kind of using my operations management degree too. At what age did you realize you were creative? When did you realize that you had an eye for seeing something that others would be like, wow, that's really cool? I think it's, it all kind of goes back on, this is like my childhood, but um, it all goes back to me growing up in a town that had one red light and I was out in the middle of the country, had horses in my backyard. So I always wanted to be up on the trends and up on what was going on in pop culture. And Florida seemed like such a foreign, like crazy place. And LA, I've never been out there. And um, so I've always been just like super curious. And I think that kind of sparked my creativity because I was like, what, you know, everyone around me, which is great, but are doing jobs that I didn't want to do. Um, so I think that's what really sparked my creativity, the internet, just seeing what was out there when I was, dreaming, you know, dreaming yeah, of what the, was, what the world was like outside of that little town. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, every morning, you know, I would walk a mile down my driveway to get to the bus stop. So I was like, get me out of here. <laughs> you know? Do you, does your family still live there? Do you have family that still yeah. lives there? Yeah. They what's, still live in Buffalo. So what's that feeling like when you go back? It's so weird. I just, you know, I love Buffalo and go bills and I go back all the time and that's home. But I, I do kind of feel like I've out personally, I've kind of outgrown it. Yeah. And there's so much more opportunity in Florida and, and other places Agreed. that I really see myself thriving in. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I don't come from as small of a town as you, but I was just back home for a few meetings. And while I love Michigan, and I think when I go back there and when I was just there, it's the same type of feeling where it's like the people are doing the same old things. Mm -hmm. They're going to the same old places. And don't get me wrong, it's a great place. It's not a small town with animals and horses running around in the backyard. <laughs> Although that's personally like that's my end goal, right? Like my end goal is to like live in the, in the of nowhere. yeah, live in the countryside <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, like have my family. I would like to have a farm. I would like to have animals and just live life in that way and totally be off the grid, which is funny because I would say that like five years ago. And I would post this one thing on my social media every so often. It's like, I'm working hard to disappear, not to be seen. Um, it's ironic now that I have a podcast and I'm getting my <laughs> name out there. But at the end of the day, like my end goal is to disappear, like disappear in a sense where I'm doing my own thing, minimal interaction with the outside world. And I'm just in my own world and I'm happy. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, like I grew up in a smaller town than where it was but like I said I just went back and you same that feel that same way like you outgrew it and the opportunities especially in South Florida I tell all my friends that that are either living in Michigan or living elsewhere I'm like come to Boca Del Rey I don't want to live with the dust and the grandparents that are gonna Mm -hmm. die soon I'm like it's not like that here like if you're in the east side where the water is there's so many young motivated, whether they're entrepreneurs or whether they're just motivated individuals that are doing great things here. And it's not really being seen by the rest of the country, which in one sense is great, but in another, like we deserve getting that recognition and not always being like the old town. But I I think COVID really put a spotlight on South Florida and, you know, 
Miami's the new LA. So Miami is <laughs> in fact the new LA. I had that conversation <laughs> with someone a little bit ago. But Miami is definitely the new LA in that sense of things. But you know, you have done something tremendous. I've enjoyed talking to you. I've enjoyed speaking to you. And I think that from a standpoint of people that listen to this episode, it varies on age. Like I said, I have parents that listen to the show. I have kids that are 16 years old that are my brother's friends that are listening to the show. And I think hearing your story and sort of like you came from the small town, you moved to Florida, like you maybe had a different path and wanted to go to med school and then you pivoted and did what you want and now look at what you're doing. I think it goes to show where hard work can get you. And mm-hmm. I love, obviously you're in a little bit of a unique situation with a female oriented company, but I love your outlook on just always doing 150% for your company. Yeah. The money will come as long as you like what you're doing. Um, n- don't worry about making money. And you know, at the end of the day, something, no one, I'll call it my age to your age. I usually say like 30 and under now, no one wants to work. No yeah. one wants to get out there. No one wants to hustle. They don't want to put the hours in. They just want a free handout and they want to be given everything. And people like yourself, you're going to be a difference maker in this world because you have that fire underneath you. Mm -hmm. And when I see that and I recognize it, I always say it because at the end of the day, there's not a lot of people, in my opinion, under 30, don't get me wrong, I could list a long name of people, but at the end of the day, overall, you talk to people and they're either miserable and hate their life and that's personal with them. Like they need to figure out what's going on with them. But number two, they just don't have a drive to work because they're so attached to the online world. And like, they're more worried about like getting a job and saving money instead of saying like, happy birthday to Kylie Jenner on (laughs) on their Instagram story, you know? Like that's more so what the focus is. So I think to all of you out there that are listening to this, don't take Erica's story with a grain of salt. You need to take it as the full thing that it is because she's put in the work to get to where she is. And now I thought I read an article that Delray was the number one city in Florida as of like two weeks ago that people are moving to. I mean, I I definitely believe it. It was named like the number one small town in America. Um, Oh, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, I believe it for sure. Like Delray is an awesome place. And for all of you out there, check out. So what is it? What's in the men in development umbrella in Delray so that people can understand who it is or where to go check out or plug the men in development Mm -hmm. team for a second. Well, obviously they have like a bunch of buildings and and leasing out, um, you know, they have a bunch of tenants, but as far as the food and beverage, we have the Ray hotel, which has Rosewater rooftop, which is a rooftop lounge upstairs of the Ray hotel. We have Ember grill. We have stairs, which is a coffee shop and a cure back. And those are all at the hotel. And then we also have Johnny Brown's, which is a live music Johnny bar. Brown's is wild. Yeah, I love Johnny Brown's. Wild. Johnny Brown's is my favorite spot that we have. Wild. Um, my dad was there a little bit ago and there was a full out fight broke out yep, there. Not it's, surprised. Yeah, it's crazy. So I also book all the bands there too. So, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> really? So wow. that's something I, <laughs> something I do too. Um, but so Johnny Brown's and right next door is Lionfish, yep. which is actually named best restaurant on Atlantic Ave the first year that's open and we're in the running for it again this year. Wow. And then also Delray Beach Market, which is the largest food hall in South Florida. So array of different things, um, different ideas and different approaches that I can go with with marketing. So that's why yeah. I never get bored, all yeah. the different concepts. Yeah. And a final question I ask at the end of every interview is, what do you wish you knew when you were in your early 20s? In my early 20s, I cared a lot about what other people thought or like what my perception was or you know, because I did move away from my hometown. Like what did people in my hometown think I'm doing? And, um, and now I I don't care. Um, (laughs) so now I'm like, you know, just living my life and, and being present in the moment and not really caring what, you know, other people's perceptions are. And I think it's really, I'm doing new things that I would never have done. I would have never done a podcast probably yeah. in my early 20s. Yeah. Um, I would have been nervous, you know, what people thought of me if I sounded stupid. But, you know, just not holding back and, you know, keeping the eye on the prize and you only have one life to live. So say yeah. yes. Just it's say funny. yes to everything. <laughs> I, I was, I love that. But I was going to say before we end this, I was going to say it off when I stopped, but I'll say it on since you brought it up. I interview a lot of people, right? I've interviewed like close to like 65 people now and from a range of different people, different businesses. And you came in here and you crushed it. 
You you really, really did. Oh. Yes. You came in here and you crushed. I can I'm a people person. I read people. That's like my thing. Like you talk to anyone in my family or my girlfriend. Like I can tell a lot about a person my first three to five minutes of meeting them and their body language and the rest of it. I could tell you were a tad bit nervous when you came in mm -hmm. here. And then you really like got comfortable and you did your thing and you're you're killing it. So to come like this and I know it's a last minute interview, so I appreciate you making the time and coming to the office and recording with me. But yes, you killed it for someone that's never done a podcast interview before and never done something like this on this level. You absolutely crushed it. So you should be very happy with yourself. Aww. Your perfectionist worked out here because <laughs> you did perfect. So well, know that you. you killed I it. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you everyone. As you can tell, and as you heard from the end of the interview, Erica did a great job and she's someone that really is motivating and it's great to see people in their 20s still have drive in them. And a conversation we had off the microphone was about, you know, people 30 and under, which I've talked about on this show, lack drive and lack motivation to work. And it's a big problem, but that's why I'm so happy I was able to have Eric on the show. She's absolutely crushing it. So definitely look into anything that she's doing. And also I would definitely contact her if you're interested in the marketing field. She is someone that really seems to have a grasp on it and really seems to understand the future of things. And I think that if you say you were the best of the best listener, she'll definitely talk to you and chat with you about it. She was awesome and I'm blessed to have her on the show. So thank you, Erica, for whenever you listen to this. I hope you know that I genuinely think you did a great job and it's refreshing to talk to people 30 and under that are motivated and like-minded individuals. With that being said, Always remember that you always want to lead by example in life while you're helping others along the way. And you know what? At the end of the day, there are things that happen in life that you don't want to happen. And sometimes you have to pivot, keep going. I talk about failure. I don't necessarily think if I'm talking about this in terms of failure, but sometimes you just have to adapt and remold to a situation. And that's what a leader is going to do. And you got to mimic that so that people that look up to you they are gonna mimic what you do. And you always wanna lead by example. That's sort of the slogan of the show that I always say. And of course, help others along the way. If you have the ability to give back, you should. And if you don't, don't give back yet. When you do have that ability, then start to give back. With that being said, thank you everyone for listening. Make sure you tell a friend about this podcast to help the growth. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of your favorite podcast. This is the best of the best, Maverick's Guide to Success.